Next Sunday, uh, we will be collecting an offering and dedicating an offering that will be split between the North Carolina Missions Offering and then the Heck Jones Offering. Uh, Heck Jones supports uh, the WMU. Uh, the North Carolina Missions Offering supports Baptist on Mission. Uh, both ministries are committed to local, national, and international missions and in supporting uh, the work um, of God around the world. Uh, specifically, the North Carolina Missions Offering uh, supports Baptist on Mission right here in North Carolina. The disaster relief that is taking place, we have teams down in Louisiana. Uh, we have teams that go all to the east coast of North Carolina to support the hurricane relief efforts. Uh, they are doing some wonderful work. I, I always love seeing the pictures uh, because North Carolina Baptists are always the first on the scene, at least most of the time. Certainly within North Carolina, we're always the first to reach out to help people and to spread the gospel of Jesus. A part of Baptist on Mission for North Carolina is a ministry called Deep Impact. Uh, Deep Impact is committed to youth. Uh, it's kind of a youth ministry part of the Baptist on Mission ministry. Uh, and I know that Jordan will, will probably tell you, but I know that Deep Impact is committed to cultivating a desire for young within young people to live a life focused on mission, to fulfill the great commission that all Christians have been called to. Uh, Deep Impact also throughout the year provides opportunities for youth and children to participate in missions activities. And a portion of North Carolina missions offering supports a little bit of what they do. So that's why I invited Jordan to come. Jordan is the director of the Youth Deep Impact. Uh, so he's going to come, and I told him to share a little bit about the offering, but I told him to preach. You know, we're here to hear the word. Uh, Jordan's certainly a gifted individual. I've known him since he was in high school. Uh, I ministered to him through FCA. We worked together when he was in college, ministering with FCA at West Stanley High School. We worked together as he was the youth minister at Big Lick Baptist Church. Uh, he then left us and went to Raleigh, uh, where he served as a youth minister at Highland Baptist Church there. Uh, now he serves as director of Deep Impact, and uh, so I know that he's got a word for you, and we've been praying for him. He's been praying for you. So, Jordan, come and share what the Lord has laid upon your heart. Thank you. Good morning. Trent, thank you uh, for, for that introduction. Um, I, I mean this when I say it. Anytime anyone asks me... Um, uh, for those reasons uh, that I am in student ministry, uh, Trent's name always comes up as one of the first. So again, Trent's known me since I was in high school. Uh, he's not that much older than me, though, right? So, uh, but uh, he has been a blessing to me, a great friend and a wonderful mentor. As Trent mentioned, uh, I work for North Carolina Baptists uh, with Baptists on Mission as the student mobilization coordinator. And what that means is I get to run deep impact camps all summer and do things uh, with student missions during the year. Uh, no one in my office would, uh, would argue uh, that my job is the most fun of all of them, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I praise God for that. So uh, Trent spoke at one of our weeks this summer. That was certainly a blessing as well. Uh, and as he mentioned, the North Carolina Missions Offering uh, supports 19 different ministries of Baptists on Mission. 
Uh, if you can think of a way to minister to people, Baptists on Mission is probably involved in some way in doing that. Uh, one of those major ways, as Trent mentioned, is disaster relief. Uh, a quick kind of story for you. Uh, yesterday, we uh, took some time to reflect on 20 years ago, 9-11-2001. Uh, and uh, around 6 p.m., uh, on September 11th of 2001, North Carolina Baptists already had volunteers and equipment headed to the Pentagon to minister to people and to take care of first responders uh, as they cleaned up uh, and cared for those who were hurt and those who were lost in that disaster. So thank you for supporting North Carolina Missions Offering. Thank you for praying and giving and going so that others might know the, the, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, Trent did ask me to share about that, and then he said, well, just just preach. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, we're going to be in 2 Timothy. This is Paul's letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. And this morning, I want to talk to you about enduring with gospel purpose. Enduring with gospel purpose. Take a moment now and, and do something for me. Think about something that you cherish. What's something that you cherish? Many of you have children or grandchildren, maybe nieces or nephews, family members that you cherish. I think back uh, to being a little bit younger. Uh, they're probably still in my grandmother's wallet today, but all of my grandparents used to carry in their wallets these little pictures of my brother and sister and, and me. And the reason they carried them there was maybe one, so they could just look at, I guess, the beauty that was their grandchildren, but two, so they could show others. They wanted to share that with others. I know that my parents... Uh, even here in the 21st century, have those pictures on their smartphones. And at any given time, you might find my dad swiping through uh, his camera roll to show people his family. Sharing what we cherish. Some of you may cherish uh, food. I do. I live in Raleigh now, and there's a place over in Morrisville, uh, just west of Raleigh, uh, right past Cary, it's called Crumble Cookies. And you may have had Crumble before. And if you have, you know what I'm talking about. I cherish a Crumble Cookie. Uh, and although I may not give mine to you, I really want to put you in my car and take you there and buy you your own. It's just that good. I have to get you a little bottle of milk to go with it too, or you won't enjoy it to the full extent. We want to share what we cherish. Maybe you've heard a song on the radio recently. Maybe you've heard a, a hymn or a worship song that spoke to you. Maybe in your quiet time, you, you've read a scripture. You've, you've heard the Lord speak through His Word. And, and, and you cherish that. And so you, you want to share it. Cherishing the gospel is something that we all aspire to do. And I have no doubt that everyone here, if you are under the sound of my voice and a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you share, that you cherish the gospel. I wonder though if we always cherish it enough to give it away. 
to, to endure what it takes to preserve the gospel and to get it to the people in our communities, in our nation, in our world that so desperately need to hear it. This letter to Timothy is Paul's last letter to him. Paul, as he's writing this, is not far off from his execution, and he knows that these will be some of his last words to Timothy, his his son in the faith. In the case of Paul, of Jesus Christ, and of many others, last words should be lasting words. Friends, as we, as the church of Jesus Christ, as you, as First Baptist Church of China Grove, are on mission with God, I'm going to begin today by just being honest with you. You are going to endure hardship. You are going to endure difficulty. Your gifts to the North Carolina Missions offering even support people who endure those things for the sake of the gospel. But I want to submit to you this morning that it is our duty to continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ even as we are opposed. Our duty is to continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ even as we are opposed. Would you read with me 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12? The Apostle Paul writes here, So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher, and that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed. Because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Would you pray with me? God, we are thankful for a time to gather as your church. God, thankful for your word that teaches us and corrects us and rebukes us. God, it is profitable for training in righteousness that we might be equipped for every good work. Lord, would you use it? To do those things now. God let us hear what you would have us hear. Let us take away from this. What you would have us take away from this. And Lord in the message might we only see you. Might we only have our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. The author and perfecter of our faith. God we ask these things humbly in Christ's name. Amen. So the first thing I want you to see this morning is that even here. We are not to be ashamed of the gospel or those who suffer for it. We are not to be ashamed of the gospel or those who suffer for it. Look at verse 8. Paul begins by informing Timothy that he ought not shy away from the testimony of our Lord or Paul the prisoner. Don't be ashamed of that testimony or of me his prisoner. 
I want to ask you this morning, have you ever found yourself shying away from the full truth of the gospel because you were not sure what the response might be? Think for a moment, you're out on, on, a, on a mission project, you're serving someone in a park, maybe you're their house fixing something, you might be uh, in a different state or a different country, you might be in your office at work and know of a lost co-worker. And, and the opportunity to share the gospel presents itself, it is clear, and all of a sudden you're, you're not quite sure what to do. Folks, I've been there. Wondering what the response to that message might be. And then beginning to back away and kind of retreat from the opportunity that has been presented. I've done that. The response to the gospel is not always a warm one. And we cannot always expect that it will be. You've seen people reject the gospel within the church... And outside of it, the gospel message is powerful. Paul knew that. He wrote about it in Romans 1.16 when he said that he was not ashamed of the gospel. He further wrote that it was the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. When we have a full understanding of the gospel, it is difficult to be ashamed of it. We have a full understanding of the gospel. It is difficult to be ashamed of it. It doesn't say that our flesh doesn't get in the way, but as we continue to preach the gospel to ourselves, we are more and more inclined to stand firm in it. That is to preach the message to yourself that God created the world perfectly. And created mankind as the pinnacle of his creation for a relationship with him. But mankind, in his own way, in his sin, moves away from that. We sin and that separates us from God. And God, knowing that we cannot fix it ourselves, since his son Jesus Christ comes in the form of Jesus in the form of man through the Virgin Mary, lives a perfect life, dies an atoning death, There the great exchange happens. He gives us his righteousness and takes our sin. And on the third day is raised from the dead to defeat death, hell, and the grave. And will one day return to receive his church unto himself. Folks, that is the gospel. And the more that you preach it to yourself, the harder it is to be ashamed of it or shy away from sharing it. So we are not to be ashamed of the gospel or those who suffer for it. Secondly, I want you to see we are to join in suffering for the gospel. Upon further examination of the eighth verse, Paul behooves us to share in suffering for the gospel as we rely on the power of God. So not only do we support those who suffer for Christ, are our missionaries Uh, stateside, in foreign countries, through Baptist on Mission and North American Mission Board, WMU, the the International Mission Board. Not only do do, do we support those who suffer, we join them. Paul was not ashamed of his suffering. In fact, he was glad 
to suffer because it gave him an opportunity to imitate his Savior. When we suffer for the testimony of our Lord, we have an incredible opportunity to imitate Christ. So the question we must ask ourselves is, how are we imitating Christ in our sufferings for His gospel? Friends, as we work to fulfill the Great Commission that God has commanded to each of us in Matthew 28. We've talked about there's going to be hard times. There will be difficult situations. But if we want to look more like the Savior, it involves this kind of suffering. There are two kinds that I kind of want to talk with you about real briefly this morning. One of them is direct persecution, and the second is social rejection. While I don't know that many of us have experienced the first, a a direct persecution for the faith, we can all agree that we've probably experienced the second, whether it's been recently or further back. Often the gospel message makes people uncomfortable. And contrary to popular belief, it does cost us something. When we follow Christ, as we die to ourselves and let our lives be a reflection of His. That's not a completely popular message everywhere. Not everyone's going to receive it. Some are even hostile to it. Folks, have you experienced that? A moment in time where you made a decision to to continue to follow Jesus, to live like Christ to proclaim His gospel in some situation, and all of a sudden, you're not in the group text anymore. Suddenly, you're you're not invited to, to, to be a part of what's happening on Friday night. Immediately, you begin to see your social situation change. Mark chapter 13, verse 13 says, You'll be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's Jesus talking. Matthew 10, reads similarly. Luke 6, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you or insult you and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. If you're doing crazy things and are acting evil, don't, don't be surprised, okay? John chapter 15 verses 18 through 20, if the world hates you, y'all, this is Jesus speaking, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you were not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll also keep yours. In all four gospel accounts, Jesus forewarns his disciples that there will be pushback and rejection and persecution, exclusion. This should not come as a surprise to us, but we should take joy in knowing that we share in Christ's sufferings. When we are able to be broken we can gain a more full understanding of what it means to fully rely on the power of God. 
Folks, I've worked in missions for several years. Even before I took this job, I had the privilege of working in college as a, as a student missionary with deep impact. In my student ministry roles, we, we sought to get students mobilized for mission. And i got to be honest with you, it wasn't until we got to some really hard, difficult moments that I really understood what it was like to rely on the power of God. I will confess this sin to you. It is easy for me to begin to look at my, my resume, my, my kind of rap sheet here, and say, boy, I can probably handle this one. When it comes to a problem that has to be solved, the first thing I do is get out my notebook and start writing out how I'm going to do this. What are the steps I should take? How is Jordan going to solve this problem? It's not until there's a moment that I say there is nothing I can do that I truly understand what it's like to rely on the power of God. And in those moments, he shows himself powerful and faithful. As we suffer, our faith is to be strengthened, not dismantled. In this gospel ministry, what's happening to your faith when you face difficult times? Is it strengthened? Is it dismantled? Take, for example, Job, who in Job 13, 15, offers that even if God kills him, he will trust him. Although Job is certainly no perfect man, he maintains a faith in suffering. You know, I think that we can be thankful in all circumstances. But I think that after some time, we can even learn to be thankful for all circumstances. Think for a moment about a, about a difficult time you've, you've had. Think about a, a difficult moment in ministry or a difficult moment in, in, in discipling your family that you've had. It's hard enough sometimes to be thankful in the circumstances. Say, God, thank you for the blessings in the midst of this. But afterwards, I'm not so sure that we can't look back and say, God, thank you for the difficulty. That might sound a bit radical. It could come across as insensitive. But take the words of James in chapter 1, verse 2, where we're taught to consider it joy when we face trials. Consider Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Our affliction is momentary in comparison to eternity. Light in comparison to the glory that's being prepared for us in it, and fruitful as it produces that eternal weight of glory. As we endure and suffer for the gospel, don't think that a moment of it is meaningless. It's not. 
Every second of it is meaningful. So when Paul invites Timothy to join him in the suffering in verse 8 here, he knows what he's doing. And he sees it as an invitation to something incredibly glorious. This is not Paul saying, I'm about sick and tired of this, so Timothy, get on over here so i got a buddy. This is Paul saying, Timothy, come join me in this suffering that is glorious. I want you to see next, our calling and salvation comes from God and God alone. Looking at verses 9 through 11. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Paul reminds us that our salvation does not come from ourselves or our works, but from Jesus Christ. He does that here. He does it elsewhere. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 reminds us of this truth as well. We're reminded also that God knew the plan of salvation before all time began. He knew of his gift for us before any of us would know that we needed it. The gospel is a message that I understand, that you probably understand, but that we do not have an earthly context for. Because of that, it is truly a message that is far beyond any other that has ever been communicated or ever will be communicated. The sheer gravity and magnificence of that message is what compels us to keep pressing forward in getting it to all those who we know have not heard it. Ephesians 2 and Colossians 2 remind us of our deadness in sin before the the transformative power of the gospel made us alive in Christ. While there is certainly a vocational aspect to some ministry, every Christian is called to ministry, to the work of the Great Commission, that is, making disciples. Paul reminds us that Jesus has brought life and that it comes through the gospel. When we think about the Lord and His goodness and mercy, it's hard not to get excited. We can't help but become willing to give ourselves to the spread of that message. To give our lives to the advance of the kingdom of God. That might mean that you're sowing, even Christ says, one sows, another reaps. Now, we don't get to pick which one he's going to use us for, folks. But that might mean that you're sowing. It might mean that you're, you're doing ministry and God has an appointment for you that day with someone who you're going to share the gospel with. Either way, if you're a Christian, you are called to the work of making disciples. And lastly, we have a blessed assurance of our hope. What a wonderfully appropriate song for the day. Paul goes on to say that he is not ashamed because he knows who he has believed. He is persuaded that God is able to guard what he has entrusted to him. We can certainly begin by inferring that Paul is talking about his own life here Dr. Dwayne Milioni from Southeastern Seminary describes the gospel as life for life for life. That's what Paul is getting at here. God has given him life so that he might uh, give that up and live life in Christ 
and share the gospel with others so that they might experience life in Christ. It's also fair, though, to gather that Paul is talking about his life first, but is referring to anything and everything else. In other words, he has given everything to God and has a confidence in knowing to whom he has entrusted these things. Paul knows whom he has believed, is persuaded that God is able to guard his life, to guard the purity of the gospel, that message he has entrusted to him. Knowing our Father allows us to suffer with confidence and hope. Hear me say that. Knowing the Father allows us to suffer and endure with confidence and with hope. It reminds us that our difficulties are not in vain. I'm sure we've all experienced something. Again, might be recent, might, might not be. But everybody here has experienced pain in some form. I was in a, a situation uh, once uh, in which there were folks uh, who disagreed on some things. And in those moments, uh, some ministry partners and I were kind of pulled in to the mix of that. In, in, in watching what ensued afterwards, it, it just got ugly between people. And in wondering how I was supposed to minister to those folks in those moments, in, in wondering how, how we were going to handle this, there were, there were nights that I didn't sleep very much. There were days that I didn't want to eat very much. That's probably surprising to some of you that know me. It was difficult. But when asked... Now, and I've been asked this question, if you knew then what you know now, would you decide differently about being involved there? And the only response I can muster is no. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't give back the opportunities for ministry or the moments for counseling and care. I'd I'd never give back opportunities to share the gospel with people who didn't know it. And because of that, I wouldn't give back the painful moments that God used to draw me closer to Himself and to continue to develop me and others into the followers and disciples He would have us be. Folks, when we face difficult moments, when we're in difficult situations, take, for example, the past really couple of years. Uh, you may not have heard of it, but there was a virus called coronavirus that, that showed up in the United States. If you haven't heard of it, I want to visit the rock you live under and maybe get under there with you. So, uh, sometime. We can kind of rest in that together. But it's been a very difficult season for many people. But folks, even through Baptists on Mission, through our, our, our friends in ministry, through ministry partners... God has used a difficult moment in all of our lives to bring people to Himself. 
You guys did it last week. This week, some churches are doing it. They're filling their baptismal pools to baptize people in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit because God used whatever has happened this past year, these past months, whatever it was, to bring people into a saving relationship with Him. So when we're asked, folks, if you could, if you could go back and, and make sure it never happened, sometimes it's hard to say no. Because God used even difficulties to bring people to himself. We do things again because we know whom we have believed and are persuaded that he is able. And that he's able to keep us and guide us. We've all been knocked down, but it will not stop us from loving our neighbors to no end. It will not stop us from living lives that preach the gospel in our deeds and in our words. It's not going to stop us from showing compassion like Jesus did. It's not going to stop us from praying for those who persecute us. And folks, let me offer this to you. If you take nothing else from what we've done today, no difficulty, nothing you've experienced. You you might be in the middle of a trial right now, but it will absolutely not stop the Almighty God from drawing people into a life-changing, life-giving relationship with Himself so that they may know His goodness, have peace, gain eternal life, and yes, share in His sufferings as we become more and more like our wonderful and merciful Savior. Do you know whom you have believed? Are you persuaded that He is able If we are, we endure. The author of Hebrews, who remains unknown, writes, Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before Him, He endured the cross despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that lay before Him. What did Jesus not have before the cross that lay before Him? You. Me. For the joy that was set before Him. For the people of God who sit here today at First Baptist Church of China Grove. So that you might have eternal life with the Father God. That's the joy that lay before Jesus. And that is why He endured the cross. Paul knew what it meant to endure too. Through prison and difficult circumstances, he wrote about his sufferings and ministered through them, remembering his calling and knowing the God he serves. Paul had the ultimate guide for enduring through suffering. He considered Jesus' example. We have that guide as well. The heroes of our faith and those who have paved the way only a generation before 
may not necessarily be watching our race, but we ought to run as if they are cheering us on as this cloud of witnesses. So many of the Old Testament believers look forward to the first coming of a Messiah. We get to look back on that and look forward to a second coming. There are millions of faithful believers who have gone before us, and now it's our turn. We must endure. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's tiring sometimes. Yes, it can be awkward and painful, but it is so worth it. Christ himself endured. When he had no place to lay his head, he endured. When he was questioned by religious leaders, he endured. When he was tempted by the devil, he endured. When he was arrested and sentenced, he endured. Through beatings and mockings and a horrible yet beautiful crucifixion, he endured. And God raised him again on the third day that death, hell, and the grave would be forever defeated. That's good news, friends. It's worth giving your life to. It's worth suffering for. Do not be ashamed, for you know whom you have believed, and you know how able and faithful He is. Press on, keep marching ahead, fight the good fight, and finish the race, because an entire generation is looking at us so that they too will know how to run their races with endurance. Suffer well, take comfort, and be confident, because you know that you know, that you know. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, You are are glorious. You are sovereign over all things. God, You have, have marked our days ahead of us. God, You have given us the ultimate example of endurance. Lord, you have shown us what it is to love, what it is to persevere. God, you have been gracious. You've given us your Son. You've given us new life in Christ Jesus. And Lord, might the truth and reality of that compel us to tell others to go and in the midst of suffering, in the midst of opposition, in the midst of hardship, God, would it compel us to keep walking so that others may have the hope that you have placed in us. God, as we go, keep us safe and give us opportunities to share Christ's love with others, both in word and in deed. God, you hear the prayers of your people. Thank you for making us your people. Thank you for hearing our prayer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that the Lord has spoke to your heart and has blessed you through this message. If you would like more information about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please reach out to us at one of the following locations. You can visit us online at chinagrovefbc.com slash salvation or check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash chinagrovefbc. Thank you and have a blessed rest of the day.